just let you be aware of um, parallel passages of Scripture from the uh, from the text this evening. Um, but Matthew chapter four, beginning with verse number eighteen and reading down through verse twenty-two, uh, will I think would be sufficient to set the stage for our lesson this evening. But Matthew records here, and he says, and Jesus. Walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter, and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And straightway, and they straightway, left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in a ship with Zebedee their father, mending their nets, and he called them. And immediately, or and they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. I, I do want to read Luke chapter Five, if you don't mind, and you're hearing Luke chapter 5, beginning in verse number 1. Luke chapter 5, beginning with verse number 1. <clears throat> and it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, and saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. And Simon answering him said unto him, Master, we have toiled all night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word I will let down the net. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net brake. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they, and they came and filled both the ships, so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished. And all that were with him at the draught of the fishes which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. 
And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Our subject this evening, still under the uh, the main topic of the authority of the king, but our subject this evening is Christ's authority over nature. And just to to recap, just very briefly, um, the Jesus. In these lessons and in these demonstrations, he is trying to prove to people that he is who he said he is. Now, there were people who believed him for his word, but then there were those who did not believe him for his word and uh, and then there were times that he would tell them to believe me for my work's sake. But he, he did these demonstrations to prove that he has power over, uh, over everything. And, um, and so this is the case here uh, in this subject this evening. We know that God created everything that exists. John, in his gospel in chapter 1, verse 1 through 3, uh, made this statement. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him and without Him was not anything made that was made. I, I want you to just to think about that. I know we've read it uh, multiple times. Uh, we talk about the, the incarnation of Jesus Christ. This is one of the favorite scriptures that, that we as apostolics tend to go to. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. And... Uh, the same was in the beginning with God. And, but, but when John said in verse number 3 that all things were made by Him. Now that's a pretty stout statement. All things, John said, were made by Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. Notice that. Without God, there was not anything made that has been made. God has had His hand in everything that has ever been made or created in this world. So, when, when, we, when we think about that, we have to come to the conclusion that everything that exists is because of Him. Amen? Amen. 
everything that exists is because of Him. Now going back to the book of beginnings, Genesis chapter 1, verse, beginning with verse number 20, the Bible tells us, and, and God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that has life and the fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. And God created great whales and every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind and after every winged fowl after his kind. And God saw that it was good and God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters and the seas and let the fowl multiply in the earth. So when when we talk about God creating, God making everything that exists, then in the context of our subject this evening, we we necessarily need to go back to the book of Genesis and and examine again where God God created the 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 the, uh, the the great whales and every living creature that moves which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind so Moses in this context is is really helping us to understand the same thing that John did in chapter 1 of his writing that, that the fish of the sea was created by God. And what God creates, He has authority over. Amen. Amen. What He creates, He has authority over it. And there are people, you know, might say, you know, or raise the argument, you know, to... To this extent, well, if God has authority over everything, then why are things in the shape that they're in? Why are people doing the, the evil that they're doing across the globe if God is in authority? If God is, is in authority over everything? Well... You just have to kind of wait for the final chapter. Because in, in the end, uh, the world is going to find out that God is, in fact, in authority over everything Amen. that He created. Whether it, whether, whether it be the, the animal kingdom or the, uh, or, or the, the, the floral kingdom, uh, whether it be the, the human kingdom, the angelic kingdom, God's in authority over all of it. And there are times that God demonstrates His authority over various aspects of His creation. So Jesus had left Nazareth because of rejection and settled in Capernaum. His preaching ministry there had a different effect than in Nazareth. 
He attracted wide attention in Capernaum. Luke said in part of our text, the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God. Now, I want you to just kind of stick that in the back of your mind to to think on again. People pressed him simply to hear the word of God. Now, that in itself can express a degree of hunger, you know, in people. There are those that lived in Jesus' time who did want to hear the Word of God. A lot of the Jews were expecting a Messiah. Now, our setting this evening involves some of His 12 disciples, specifically Peter and Andrew and and, and James and John, the two sons of Zebedee, who uh, were, uh, Peter and, and Andrew were, were in fishing partnership with Zebedee and his sons, James and John. And the Bible tells us in other places that this fishing enterprise was big enough that Zebedee had hired hands. So, he, so they were involved in a fishing industry. It wasn't just a little boat, you know, rowing out on the sea, you know, in the, uh, you know, in, in the time of dusk or in the late afternoon to, for the night fishing. But, uh, but, but this was an industry that they were involved in in that day. And so, again, Luke said the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God. He was standing Jesus was by the lake Genesaret, and the crowding of people was so great that there was not enough room to address the people. One writer said it like this, Two fishermen had rowed into shore, and they were washing their nets. Christ got into one boat. Then he asked the boat's owner, Simon, to row out in the lake a short distance, so that he might address the people who were crowded at the water's edge. Simon Peter had come to confess his faith in the person of Christ in his earlier contact with him in Judea. Simon had traveled to the wedding feast with Jesus. But in the interim, he evidently had taken up his duties as a fisherman again. He had been brought to faith in Christ, but he had not been called to service for Christ. And let me stop there and say this is is true, what I just read, that uh, this is true of all the disciples, that when the Lord called them, they, they followed Him, but in the beginning they followed Him intermittently. They, they would attend things where, where Jesus was teaching or, or demonstrating, but then they would go back to, to their livelihoods until there came a time, and this, this incident that we're talking about this evening is one of those times when Jesus finally called them into service for Him, that they left everything and they followed Him. Now, this was a motley crew of men, these 12 disciples. 
they came from various backgrounds and various ideologies. They, 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 were, they were fishermen and, and uh, they were tax collectors. One was a devil. You, you know who he was. And, but then there was, there, there was an assassin that, that was in that group that Jesus called as well. Simon Zelotes. He, he was part of a, a band of zealots that despised the Roman government and the oppression of Rome who, who would, would, would get close to Roman officials and, and pull a short dagger from underneath this cloak and, and they would assassinate government officials and then run off in the crowd. And this was Simon Zelotes. However... The common denominator among all of these men, no matter their background, was that they were all looking for the coming Messiah. So whether they were fishermen, whether they were in the employ of Rome and were extortioners against their fellow Jews, or or whether they were... Uh, the, the assassin, such as Simon, Simon Zelotes, the, the common factor among all of the, these men were they were anticipating the Messiah. They, they understood Hebrew Scripture. Even though God, or Jesus, well, Jesus was God, but in His proper context, even though Jesus had, had a hard time getting them to really understand who He was and His mission in this earth at that particular time, they, were, they still believed in the coming Messiah and all of them were anticipating that day. So when Jesus called them initially, one by one or two by two, they initially left and followed him, uh, and uh, but intermittently, and but then Jesus called them all to service. So, so I begin again with with the the writer. He says he had been brought to faith in Christ, but he had not been called to service. Christ now calls him from his labor to become his servant. The first task that Christ asked Simon to perform was very simple. To to row the boat a little way out from shore so that Jesus could speak from it to the multitude. Peter obeyed and we read that Jesus sat down and taught the people. Again, we see Christ assuming the posture of a rabbi. It was Jewish custom for the teacher to sit down and everybody else stand while they were te- while the rabbi was teaching. We we kind of got it backwards here, but Jesus assumed the position. He sat down. The Bible talks about on one occasion he went into the synagogue and he sat down to teach. What, what the writer is telling us is that he sat down 
in the place or in the chair of the teacher for that day. Jesus just walks in the synagogue and walks to to that particular place and, and sets down and there was handed him the scroll and he opened to, to the prophet Isaiah. And you, you know, but, but in, this, in this case again, we see Jesus assuming the position of the rabbi as he opened the scriptures and interpreted them to those giving attention to his words. So when Jesus had finished teaching the people, He now began the process of calling Peter into greater service for him. Until now, Peter had traveled with Jesus occasionally, but would return to the fishing business of his father. Now, Jesus would call Peter to greater service in the kingdom that Jesus is getting ready to establish. Now keep in mind in all of these contexts, the Lord keeps talking about a kingdom that He's getting ready to establish. And and the Bible says of His preaching in many places that he He came preaching the gospel of the kingdom. That kingdom was the spiritual kingdom. They, everybody thought it was, he was about to elevate Israel again to national prominence and, and destroy the yoke of the Romans, you know, that was on them. But, but that's not the reason that Jesus came. He came to establish a spiritual kingdom. Now he, he calls Peter into greater service For that coming kingdom. But first. First. Jesus has got to authenticate himself to Peter. Because up until this point. In Peter's life and in his relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus was a rabbi. He he was a teacher. Peter did not see him at this particular time, nor did did his brother uh, Andrew, nor did James or John, who, who was here on this occasion. They did not see Jesus as as the coming Messiah at this particular time. They saw him as a teacher. They they saw him. Peter saw him at the marriage feast in Cana of Galilee where he turned the water into wine. Now, you know, it it would be reasonable to believe that that miracle had an impact on the mind of Peter. Now, Now, who is this? Nobody's ever turned water into wine before. But yet Jesus had not authenticated himself to Peter at this particular time. And it was necessary for Peter to know exactly who Jesus Christ was. So the command of Christ to Peter was 
to launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. This no doubt probably took Peter by surprise. Didn't Jesus know anything about fishing? He was a carpenter by trade, but surely as important as fish was to the diet of the inhabitants of the region, Jesus must have known that a true fisherman doesn't fish in the daytime. That's foolish. Now remember, Peter is part of a fishing enterprise. So he's not going out on the Sea of Galilee and, and throwing a hook and, you know, on a topwater jig out there and reeling it in. That, that's leisure fishing. That's not trade fishing. He, he's not standing on the seashore and, and casting, you know, a deep sea fishing rig out there and row, reeling it in and hoping, you know, to, to, to bring in a, a bite or something. That's, that's pleasure fishing. That, that's not business fishing. A, a business fisherman is not going to be fishing, you know, with just a, a, a line. I, I've been deep sea fishing numerous times. Way out in, in the Gulf of Mexico, we'd, we'd go so far land, you, you didn't see land for three hours. You, 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 the tallest buildings leave your sight at seven miles out, and we would be three hours beyond that. Now, now that's, that's leisure fishing, you know, because you're, you're letting down hooks and bait and all of that kind of stuff, but... But when, when you're fishing for business or you're fishing in the industry, they're going out and they're, and they're casting nets. And those nets have weighted edges and they, they hit the water and they, they sink down and, and hopefully encapsulate a, a, a number of fish. And they pull those nets into the boat and shake them out, the, the fish out into, into the boat. And, and, and they straighten those nets and they do it all over again. And they do that all night long in that culture because there the fish come up at night to eat insects and things from the surface. And then when the sun begins to rise in the morning, they go back down to the depths. And so Jesus, Jesus told Peter to launch out into, a, into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. And to the ears of Peter, this was a foolish command. Again, doesn't he know anything about fishing? You, you don't fish in the daytime here. We're not going to catch any, any fish and and, and, and again, we need to understand that fishing was a strenuous activity. Paul, or Peter being a commercial fisherman, not one who fished as, as a hobby. Fishing uh, was, was, was a strenuous affair when you were in the, in the industry. And, and so in this setting... Peter reminded the Lord that he had spent all night fishing 
and had not caught one thing. In fact, the word that, G, that he used to Jesus was the word toiled. When, when you look at that word toil, it, it means to engage in hard work. It was strenuous activity. It, it was physical activity. And in that culture, you know, when you read a little bit about the, the, the background culture of fishermen that day and them fishing, you know, at, at night, then, you know, they, they would, in, with their clothing, you know, they would take off their top coat and, and just have their undergarment. They, the, the, the light, lighter weighted uh, robe that would, or, or which really, like a long shirt that would reach down to their mid-thighs. So, so history says these fishermen would be essentially almost naked out there at night. And they're, and they're toiling because it's strenuous. And then one, one historian said that, you know, Peter and the other, other disciples were, were probably soaking wet from... You know, from the water and pulling in nets. And, and they were tired and they had toiled. They had engaged in hard work. And they had labored. And the word even implies difficulties and trouble. And they had done this all night long. And Peter said, we've not caught one thing. Now... Let, let me just use my imagination just a little bit. Can I? I think somewhere in the back of my mind, the Lord at, at dusk, the previous, the previous dusk, the Lord just commanded those fish to stay in the bottom. I don't want you eating tonight. I don't want you feeding tonight. I just want you to stay in the bottom. Because in just a few hours, there's some men that I have called, that I have yet called into service. But in order to call them into service, I have got to authenticate to them exactly who I am and what I have authority over. And that's just my imagination, okay? I don't believe Peter and James and John and, and Peter's daddy and, and, and Zebedee and all of their fishing boats and their hired hands. I don't believe they were out there and didn't catch anything just by chance that night. They didn't catch one fish and they're, and they're, a, they're a company out there. And they, they didn't catch one thing out of all of those boats and... It just happened that way. Peter, Peter was a frustrated man when Jesus said, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draw. Peter was frustrated. He was tired. He was sweaty. He, he was ready for breakfast. He, he had done this all night long in, in the time that we're accustomed to catching fish. And now you're telling me that after the sun comes up and you've taught these people forever how long that Jesus taught on that occasion, He turns and He said, now launch out into the deep and let your nets down. 
Peter was frustrated. He didn't understand the, the command. We have, we have toiled. We have engaged in hard work. We, we have had difficulties. We, we've had troubles pulling these empty nets in and casting time after time after time. And we've caught nothing. Anybody here ever fished with a net? I, I haven't. But on the trips that I would go out in, in, in the Gulf with our company, at that time, we, we, would, leave, we would leave the marina. But, but out in the, I guess you'd call it the causeway or something, you know, the, the deckhands would take these five-gallon buckets and they'd start pulling nets out of them. At a certain spot, the captain of the boat, he would, he would stop. And he would turn that motor. And those deckhands would take that, take that net and they'd just cast it out there. And let it sink down and then they'd start pulling it in get it in the boat and they start shaking it out. What, what they're doing is getting, they're getting some bait fish. And that captain, he'd churn that water again with, with those big motors and, and here they would cast it out again and they would do that until they had what they thought was enough bait fish for us to fish for that particular excursion. But see, those were small nets. These nets that Peter and them were using were were quite large fishing nets. And, and so I'm, I'm not sure whether Peter's response to the Lord was one of doubt or due to the fact that he was physically exhausted and pulling nets all night and, and the frustration of catching not one fish. Because you have to understand, if they didn't catch fish, they didn't pay the bills. If they didn't catch fish, they didn't pay the rent. They didn't pay the power bill. They, they didn't put food on the table. And, and there, was, there was frustration, no doubt, in, in Peter. And, and, and I do believe that in his mind, he really thought that it was pointless to return to the deep water and cast nets in expectation of hauling in fish. He did so. Not because he believed that there would be a catch, but because Jesus commanded him to obey. So when we look at the response of Peter, uh, when Peter responded to the request of Jesus that they had worked strenuously all night, he, he relented with nevertheless at thy word, I will cast down the net. So as an experienced fisherman, Peter knew the conditions were not right to catch fish. But at the word of Jesus, he obeyed. Jesus knew what he was trying to reveal to Peter and the other disciples present. They, they did not yet know, but Jesus knew that obedient trust was the key which would unlock the door to greater revelation to who he is and His authority to perform the deeds He performed. I want you to notice that, that, 
phrase, obedient trust. Jesus knew for these boys to receive any greater enlightenment as to who I am and to what I can do and what I have authority over, I've got to, I've got to, to, to see demonstrated in them obedient trust. I've got to see if they're going to obey and trust me when they don't understand what I'm telling them. I need to see if, if they will be obedient and trust me in their misunderstanding who I am or who I may be. So one can haggle with the Lord about the timing not being right for obedience to a particular command or they can argue the point of not understanding the command. One may attempt to analyze the command as to the anticipation of the result. Well, I, you know, I, I've got an analytical mind, so let me analyze this and see if I can draw a conclusion as to what the result is going to be before I launch out and cast a net. But here, here's the problem with that. You can't analyze God. Try as you may, you can't analyze God. The, the words that He told the prophet that ring clear yet today and, and something that we need to, to keep in our mind is, is that God said through the prophet, He said, he said uh, Your ways are not my ways. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. And here's the reason. He said, my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So analyze as Peter may have initially in his mind. You're not going to be able to draw a conclusion about the command of God many times until there is demonstrated obedient trust. So... Peter knew what Jesus expected result of casting the net after sunrise was against nature. It is totally against nature. It doesn't make sense. Lord, it doesn't happen this way. Catching fish in a net in the daytime, it doesn't work. It, it's against nature. However, obedient trust carries a lot of weight with God. Let, let's look quickly at, at some scripture. Obedience is the base rock of character. You want character? You've you got to have obedience when it comes to God. Matthew chapter 7 verse 24. Therefore whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, Jesus said, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. Obedience is essential. To membership in God's family. Matthew chapter 12 and verse number 50. Jesus said, For whosoever shall do the will of my Father which is in heaven, the same is my brother and sister and mother. Obedience is the key to spiritual knowledge. John 7 and verse number 17. Again, Jesus said, If any man 
will do His will. He shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. Obedience secures the blessing of divine fellowship. John chapter 14 and verse number 23, again Jesus said, Jesus answered and said unto them, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. In every instance that I read here, these are the words of Jesus talking about the importance of obedience to the words of God. Oh, that there were, there were more people who had the attitude of Peter and would say, Maybe I don't understand. Maybe your command doesn't make logical sense. Nevertheless, because that is what your word commands me, I will let down the net. I don't understand it. It, It's not logical. Lord, it even goes against nature. But because you told me to do it, that's what I'm going to do. Because you said to do this, I'm going to do it. Because you said not to do it. I I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense. But because this is your word. Even though I can't analyze it. Even though my my logical mind cannot come up with a, a logical conclusion of it all. But because you said it. I'm going to do it. So when Peter obeyed the command of the Lord. The result was astounding. Bible says they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. The catch was so large that Peter had to summon other fishermen to bring their boats and help draw the nets. So great was the catch that both boats, the Bible said, began to sink. I want you to think about this now. Get it, get it in your mind. There's boats on the Sea of Galilee all night long. They don't catch as much as a minnow. But now because Jesus said, let down your net for a draught. And and they pulled up enough fish in the nets that they had to call for the other boats. And the other boats began to sink. Listen, to Simon, this was not natural, but it was supernatural. Every law of nature said that they should not have caught fish. But contrary to expectation, they now had a catch of unprecedented proportions in a time that they knew they couldn't catch fish. Now two boats are sinking because of the number of fish. Now because somebody said, I I don't understand it, it doesn't make sense, but because you told me to do it, I'm going to do it. And now the result is an unprecedented result. The catch of fish brought conviction to Peter. The words he had heard of Jesus' teachings had been substantiated by a miracle. And now Peter addressed him 
as Lord. Something happened in the mind and spirit of that, of that brawny fisherman. That when, when the Lord instructed him to do something that was totally against nature, and he does it, and then the result is also against nature. It's not natural. It's not natural to pull in fish like this in the daytime. It's not natural for us to even catch fish. That's why those other disciples, James and John, that the Bible said was on the shore, they were washing their nets. They were cleaning them not to get ready to fish. They were cleaning them to put them away for the rest of the day because they had worked and labored and toiled all night long and came up with nothing. And now here we've got two boats that are sinking because of the number of fish that's brought in. And so for the first time, Peter addresses Jesus as Lord. The realization of who Jesus is brought Peter to confession. He said in verse number 9, I am a sinful man. Sinful why? Sinful for what reason? Listen, I already told you, Peter was a man who believed the Scriptures. He was anticipating the coming of Messiah, but yet here in the presence of the Messiah. He, he says, depart from me, Lord, because I am a sinful man. Sinful for what reason? Was it sinful for his unbelief? Sinful for his doubting? Sinful because he questioned Jesus, when Jesus instructed him to do something he did not understand and went totally contrary to nature, he said, I'm a sinful man. There is no doubt that he felt unworthy to be in the presence of the Lord after it was demonstrated that Jesus is the Messiah. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were astonished at Jesus' demonstration of authority over nature and, and were partners with Peter in the fishing industry. Jesus ended this demonstration with words of comfort to Peter. He said, fear not. From henceforth, you're going to catch men. So in, in conclusion this evening... It is the desire and will of God that the people of this world understand and believe who He is. He is the Messiah. He is the only Savior of mankind. So great was this revelation to these fishermen that Luke said, And when they brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed Him. Think about this now. Zebedee 
the father of James and John, and then Peter, the, the father of Peter and Andrew. Because of Jesus' demonstration of authority over nature, they, that business lost four assets right there in one fell swoop. Four men walked off the job and followed after Jesus. The only other time that we find Peter fishing, to, to my recollection, is again when he demonstrated doubt and he told the rest of the disciples, I go a fishing. What are you doing, Peter? I'm going back to what I know. I'm going back to what I'm accustomed to doing. I don't understand this deal about the death, his burial, and his resurrection and all of this kind of stuff. I'm, I'm going fishing. They left everything at that time. What, what was it that Peter took away from that encounter? I believe he took away from, from it this very fact that if Jesus Christ can command the fish to come from the depths back up to the surface in the middle of the day, something that is against nature, something that's unnatural, something that doesn't happen, if he can do that and it be enough fish to cause two boats to almost sink, then surely he knows everything about my life. And if he can do that to demonstrate to me exactly who he is, and I don't have any problems understanding that he is the Messiah and that he, is, he has authority over everything. This wasn't the only time that Jesus demonstrated his authority. And, and we'll continue as the Lord allows to, to study incidents and, and things. But, but Jesus is doing this so that, so that those men, those men, those 11 men that followed him, especially in the latter part of his ministry, he, he knew, Jesus knew, those men were going to be the foundation of the church that he himself was going to establish on the day of Pentecost with the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And if these men are going to be the foundation, they have to understand exactly who I am. So if it requires demonstrating my authority over nature... I'll call fish to come to the surface in the middle of the day. If, if it requires me speaking the word to, to, to a, uh, uh, concerning a man's child who is not even of the Jewish heritage and healing that child at a 20-mile distance, then I'll demonstrate my authority over sickness. So he's doing that to help them and to help you and I understand if he can speak a word 
and, and cause a child to be healed 20 miles away from where Jesus was at that particular time. I'm telling you, He can speak a word and He can heal this lady of cancer. Amen. He has already demonstrated His authority over sickness. Just say the word. Speak that word. But here's the key, and not to take time to go back in, into a previous study. But the Bible says of that man very, very emphatically that he believed him for his word without one shred of evidence that what Jesus told him was true. He believed what the Lord said and started back on that 20-mile journey back to Capernaum. And his servants met him somewhere on the way and, and said, your son lives. And he started inquiring as to what hour the fever left him. And they told him. And, and the man looked back and he knew. You know what? That's exactly the time that he told me that my son lives. So Jesus is not above demonstrating his authority over anything if somebody will believe exactly who he is. Whether it be his authority to preach, whether it be his authority over sickness, whether it be his authority that's demonstrated over nature. Jesus is a demonstrating God. He'll heal to get a message across. Amen. Amen. He'll do things that go against nature to get a message across. Amen? That's who He is. I'm thankful to that. I'm thankful the God that we serve has authority over everything today. Amen? Aren't you thankful for that today? Amen? Let's stand this evening and lift our hands one more time and let's give Him great praise because we know who He is. We know His power. We know His authority. And through these incidents, we can have our faith to be built greater and greater understanding the God we serve has charge over everything. Hallelujah.